Our scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Worship at Alleluia. So glad you're here today. Uh, welcome. Uh, what a great morning to be here together. Uh, we're continuing this series, uh, Get in the Game. Uh, last week, Pastor Mark uh, launched the series uh, by talking about getting in the game and serving others. Um, he told us about the love of Christ uh, compelling us to uh, serve others and lifted up the story in the gospel about Jesus taking the role of a servant, the lowest servant in Jesus' day, and washing the feet of his disciples. After that, he would go to a cross and serve us all the way to a cross. He would, he would show God's love for us by going all that way for you. Uh, today, we're going to move into the second part of the series, so to get things started, what do you use to um, remind yourself of things? Because we all need a reminder. Um, Post-it notes, uh, an app on your phone, perhaps, um, in the old days, tie a string around a finger to remember something. I've taken a new version of that. I will move my wedding ring to a different finger to remember something. I know it sounds silly, but... Um, and then I realize later when I notice my ring's on a different finger, I forget why I moved it. So it gets a little uh, confusing sometimes. And I realize the older I get, the more I need reminders. Can I get an amen on that, or is it just me? Or is it just that when we were younger, we didn't really care if we remembered stuff? I, I There's probably a balance in there. I'm not sure, but uh, anyway... Um, the, the scripture we just heard read from Paul's letter to the Romans, which is written in the first century, was meant to be read openly to the, the, the pockets of believers that were um, gathering together in Rome, the, the new Christians. Paul wrote it to uh, encourage them in the faith. He encouraged them uh, through what a lot of scholars have now called the Romans Road. It's this path when you read Romans where it starts out, acknowledging your sin, your need for a savior. God sent Jesus. He went to a cross. He rose from the dead. And we have the promise of eternal life through faith in him and through faith alone, not by our works. And in this letter, we get a reminder in this chapter of what the Christian life is to be about. If you heard the scripture reading, just read, there's Almost one directive after the next, after the next, after the next, coming at you, hitting you, boom, boom, boom. And you hear again a reminder, if you will, a list of what it means to be a Christ follower. Rejoin me back in the text, Romans 12, verse 9, if you've got your Bibles. If not, uh, please uh, hear again what, what Paul wrote in these verses, Romans 12, verse 9. 
Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The last two words, practice hospitality. Who wants to learn a little ancient Greek this morning? I know you woke up and said that, right? I want to go to church and learn some ancient Greek. So let's do that. Let's put the Greek word for hospitality up on the screen. It's philoxenia. You want to say philoxenia? Philoxenia. Try it one more time. Philoxenia. It's a weird thing to philoxenia. It's two words. Let's break it down for you. Let's show the next slide. Philo is, is, is the word... Uh, for love in Greek, which means love between two friends. It's the roommate you've had since college, and you're, you're great friends, and you love each other, and it's the, it's the girlfriend you've gone to coffee with for years. It's, it's, it's your pals. It's, it's, your, it's your friends. It's this kind of love you have for your friends. That's this Greek word. The next one, the word is Stranger. Stranger. Put the words together, our word hospitality, but really to understand what the Bible's saying, it's friendship love towards strangers. Let that sink in just for a second. Because when we hear hospitality right now, we think about like the industries. Like you might work in lodging or the food and beverage industry or it's one of those hospitality uh, businesses. But this isn't about that. This is about action, friendship, love, that, that love you have for your friends, your closest friends, towards whom? Strangers. Practice that, the Bible says. How hard is that? How easy is that for you? I'm old enough to remember the door-to-door salesman coming to our house. And my mom welcoming, in, welcoming them in like they were relatives. And my mom would always have something baked ready to go that my brothers and I could not touch because it was a case company came and there was a can of some fruit goo in the cabinet that she'd pour over the top of it and put some Cool Whip from a tub in the fridge on top of that whenever a guest came by. And we couldn't have, she's like, that's for guests. Don't. We're like, who's coming? She goes, we don't know. <laughs> and now... For example, in our house, after the Memorial Day storm a lot of us uh, were unfortunately dealing with, once we picked our contractor and the doorbell rang at our house, because it rang and rang and rang and rang for weeks of other people trying to come by and be, be our con. Do you, know you want to know the scene in our house when the doorbell rang? Nobody move! Shh! Quiet! Turn the TV down! Kathy's crawling on the floor under the windows. Shh. 
Things have changed. Welcoming the stranger at the door. A little different. And this isn't a word that's asking you to be unsafe. We all know, we all are good, we should be teaching our kids about stranger danger and those kinds of things. But there is a part of our faith, part of a Christ follower, that has to hit the pause button in our culture and go, wait a minute. Am I letting, I don't want people to bug me at my door, also affect my faith and how I treat other people outside of my front door? How I interact with people, how I welcome the stranger, how I offer that depth of what would be considered the love I have for my best friends to people I don't even know. Is that really what Jesus is asking? Is that what Paul's writing about? And the answer is yes. That sets Christians apart. That's what makes the love of Jesus so life-changing and profound. Philoxenia. Friendship love towards people we don't know. So, today we're going to talk about the church that welcomes. Uh, a woman of, uh, in her 70s came to a church, uh, and she was met by the greeter at the door, and the greeter said, good morning, and she said, oh, yeah, it's my first time here, and she said, she said, um, she said um, can I sit near the, near, in the, near the front? I'd like to be in the front. And the, and the greeter said, well, I don't think you really, are you sure you want to do that? The pastor's kind of boring. And uh, the woman said, do you know who I am? And the greeter said, no, I don't know who you are. And she said, I'm the pastor's mother. And the greeter said, do you know who I am? And the woman said, no. And the greeter said, good. I thought of three things about the church that welcomes, and the first one's going to sound repetitive, and it's not a mistake, but stay with me through the first point. The church that welcomes genuinely welcomes others. It's like a duh, but we have to think about it, because every church says they welcome others, but do they really? In a in a prior congregation in, in Minnesota, uh, we were just about ready to start the service, and uh, a young man uh, that was 17 years old when I left uh, my first congregation, I was now serving my second congregation, and uh, Andy, the 17-year-old when we left, is now in his early 20s. He comes to visit the church I'm now at, and he comes in and sits down, and Galen the usher comes up to me, and he's all shook up. And he says, Pastor Tim, there is a young man in the worship space wearing a hat. It was a caterpillar hat. It was a cat hat. You know, mesh in the back, snaps. He's from a rural area. This is, you know, caterpillar, John Deere. This is it. And he's wearing a hat. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, let me point him out to you. So we walk, we're in the gathering area, and we walk, and he's like, he's right there. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, did you catch his name? No. Well, did you talk to him? No. But I'm going to go up to him and tell him to take his hat off right now. I said, well, I said, Galen, let, 
let's just let him be. Well, don't you think it's terrible that he's wearing a hat in God's house? Well, I said, Galen, I grew up, I grew up with that respect as well, and, and I, I totally understand what you're, what you're saying, but let's just let him be. Aren't you glad he's here? So Andy sat with his caterpillar hat on and was welcomed. See, churches, even when they don't mean to, can be unwelcoming if they're not careful. What would Andy have thought if the usher came up to him and said, hey, take your hat off? The paraphrase is, young adults who come in here and wear a, wear a hat aren't welcome. We have to be careful. All to say that um, the church that welcomes is not a club. It's a kingdom. We're not a club. We're, we're in an area where you might belong to a club. You might be at a golf club. You might uh, be at a health and fitness club. You might be in a different club, and it's members only, and only members can be there. And you might have a guest day once in a while or be able to bring a guest. But for the most part, you know, it's an exclusive thing. A church isn't a club. It's a kingdom. It's God's kingdom to welcome all, to welcome everyone. We don't get to decide who is welcome. And if we're not careful as a church, sometimes we can be a club. We can have our own little club here. But there's people coming. And how do we welcome them? When I was a youth director out of college up in Minnesota, uh, a member called me late in the afternoon and said, Tim, I have two tickets to the Timberwolves game. Would you like to go? And I said, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves are uh, an NBA franchise, if you're not aware. So they play at the Target Center in Minneapolis. So I called Mark, who was a youth leader at the church I was serving at the time. And Mark said, let me think about it. Yes. Picked him up on our way to Target Center, have the two tickets from the member, and let me just hit the pause button here. I still accept tickets from members. We go to Target Center, and we pull in, we park, we get in, we go in, we get through a gate, and we, didn't, we just walked in a gate, and then I, I, I brought my tickets to an usher because I don't know where I'm going, and, and she's like, oh, we go up, the, go up that escalator and turn left. So we go up the escalator. I'm like, this is weird. We get up to this next floor. We turn left. There's someone by a rope, and she says, can I see your tickets, please? And I'm like, sure. Give him the two tickets. She goes, two doors down on the right. I'm like, wait, this is weird. Where are we? We walk down. We turn right, in the, and we walk into a suite. Yeah. Never been in one before. Free food. Free beverages. Seats in the two rows looking out over the stadium. Near the center of the court. Nobody says hello. Nobody welcomes us. We sit, we make our way down, we sit in like the front row looking out over the stadium and we're sitting there and Mark leans over to me. It's like almost like it was yesterday. I remember him saying, he leans over, he goes, what's our plan? <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea, Mark. Luckily, a gentleman comes over and he goes, hey guys, uh, help yourself to some food, help yourself to whatever's in the fridge. And we're like, great. But after that, 
There was silence. The guy who invited us to eat, he goes, so how, how are you connected to the company? <laughs> uh, I said, we're friends of, you know, the guy who gave us tickets. He didn't know who it was. He didn't have not met this guy who gave us tickets in the company before. And he goes, oh, okay, well, make yourself at home. Not a word for the rest of the game. I'm not joking, not a word. No one else. They were all talking. They're all laughing. They're all having their little conversations. And Mark and I are just like, okay, this is awkward. My prayer as a pastor at Hallelujah is that this never happens to someone when they come here. A welcoming church is not a club. It's a kingdom. And yes, when a visitor walks through the door, 100 people don't, it's not realistic to go running to them and say, hello. But to have that same experience where you come in and you're like, do I really belong? I'm probably not supposed to be here. Is anyone going to talk to me? Where is this? Where's that? What's, what's, what do we do? The church that welcomes genuinely welcomes others. Second point of three I'd like to have you think about today is the church that welcomes humbly embraces brokenness. In Luke 15, if you have your Bibles, um, Jesus tells three parables. And it starts out in Luke 15, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. There are two Groups introduced here at the beginning of this chapter. The first group would be considered the bad people, tax collectors and sinners, all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were considered the righteous people, the religious people, muttered. And when you read muttered in the Bible, you know what's coming is probably not good. This man, Jesus, they say, verse 2, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Mutter. Can you believe it? This Jesus, this man who has spoken in ways we've never heard before, speaking as if it were God speaking himself, this Jesus from Nazareth, the one who's performing miracles we've never seen before. This Jesus who's, who's just blowing our minds. We know he's from God. He's got some connection from God. Is he prophet? We're not sure. They're all thinking. But he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He goes in their homes. He's rubbing shoulders with this crowd. Huh? They, can't, they can't compute how someone so godly and righteous would, would be welcoming sinners. He saw Zacchaeus in the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, get down from there. I'm coming to your house today. He gets Matthew at the tax collector booth, one of the most hated uh, professions of the day. Uh, come on, follow me. He, he's welcoming the woman at the well, the outcast of her community, and he welcomes her and embraces her and recognizes her as a person and, and loves her through a conversation. He's always, as God in flesh, welcoming the stranger. and humbly embracing their brokenness. And a church that welcomes others does the same thing. 
One of the things I love about Alleluia is our authenticity and understanding, pastors included, that we all struggle. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're not a self-righteous club. We're a hospital for sinners. We're a place where the broken can come and do life together. Be in connect groups with one another and share our stories. We're a place where we don't look down at others, but we look across at others and see together our celebrations and our trials, our, our, our joys and our sorrows, our moments of faith and our moments of complete brokenness. And the church that welcomes embraces that brokenness. Years ago, I had someone I met out socially in a group. We were at a social gathering, and he said to me, hey, Pastor Tim, I don't know about your church. You have a lot of hypocrites over there. Now, keep in mind, this is, not a, this is a self-proclaimed person, not, not a person of faith. He's like, I don't know about you. I, I know some of those people. I, I, know, I know what they've done. And I didn't think it was time for a teaching moment. But I did say, and I'm paraphrasing probably, something along the lines of, well, then they're in the perfect place, aren't they? We are a community of God's people. Luther would call us simultaneously sinner and saint, daily washed in God's grace, daily struggling with sin. And that's the church that embraces that is the church that welcomes that. And so the church that welcomes is not self-righteous, but authentic. You know, he tells a parable in Luke 15 about a sheep who finds his uh, shepherd, a sheep who gets lost from the flock, and the shepherd finds him, and then he, he, he leaves every, every other sheep to go find the other one, the, the one lost, the one not right with God, the one broken, and he finds him, and he puts him on his shoulders, he says to, to this community, rejoice with me, I found my sheep. And Jesus ends the story by saying there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and says to God, I'm sorry for my sin and brokenness than over 99 self-righteous people who don't think they have to. And the church that welcomes lives that story out daily. Finally, the church that welcomes joyfully invites others uh, John's gospel, let's, let's uh, finish in our scripture today with John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and John chapter 1. And if you want to, you can join me in verse 45. It says, early on, as Jesus is gathering up his disciples, calling them to follow him, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee in 145. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. And then Philip answers with just three words. 
Come and see. Come and see. You see, the church that welcomes is not about me. It's about us. It's not about me. It's about us. You see, Philip had the opportunity to just keep Jesus to himself. He found him. He'd be like, I'm good. I'm good. I found the one the Bible's talked about. I not, I'm just going to follow him, and I'm good. I don't need to tell anyone else about him. He's, I, I'm with him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen to him. But what did he do? He went and found others to tell him the good news. And he used three simple words. What were they? Come and see. Try it out. Let's everyone say, come and see. Come and see. You can do that. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to give a five-minute testimony. You don't have to tell them the reasons they need to come to church, the reasons they need to be about uh, walking in faith with God. You don't have to tell them about all the benefits of being in a regular worship routine or being in a connect group and doing life with other adults who are struggling just like we all are. You don't have to get into all that. You can say, you know, this conversational invitation, invitation, invitation. Being creative and mentioning your church family in conversation with others, and they say, oh, what's hallelujah like? And you answer with three simple words that work for Philip, and they are, come and see. Now, I'm going to prepare you. I do this a lot. And a lot of the people I ask either don't come, or they come, and they don't stay. My job is not to assure any of those things. My job is to be faithful in asking, inviting. The great commission of Jesus is to make disciples of all people. The advancement of the gospel in the first century throughout the ancient world happened because people who came to faith couldn't contain it. Perhaps we've gotten a little too comfortable in our culture. Perhaps we've gotten a little too at ease with being a person. Perhaps we're afraid of offending somebody. But we're asked to be faithful. And the church that welcomes joyfully invites others. Come and see. So in summary, the church that welcomes generally welcomes others, humbly embraces brokenness, and joyfully invites others. So sometimes when I end a message, I'd like to challenge you or give you something to think about. Lifeway, who does a lot of um, studies and polls for churches, recently found out that 60% of Lutherans said they have not invited anyone to church in the last year. Are you the 60? Or are you the 40 who, who has? It's not a slap on the wrist. It's a word of encouragement. I didn't ask you if you've gotten someone to join Hallelujah. I've asked you simply, have you said come and see to anyone? And yes, the people you ask won't all say yes, and 
us, the people you ask, won't all become part of our faith community, but our congregation will continue to thrive, continue to grow when we invite. Because that's truly welcoming. Inviting others to know the love of God in Christ Jesus. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of hospitality, for the ability to welcome those we don't know. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the lifelong friendships and, and, and great relationships we have here at this church, and we celebrate those, Lord. As we live in those here, Lord, let us also be ever mindful of those around us, of those in need of a welcome. Lord, stir us out of our comfort zones to be that person who welcomes them, who embraces their brokenness, who joyfully invites them to be a part of your mission here and through Alleluia. We pray these things in Jesus' name and we said all together, amen.